Welcome to Conversations with Doc Martin. This video series focuses on extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And today is certainly no exception. We're joined by my good friend, Kaylin Olette. Kaylin serves to cultivate the Los Angeles LGBT Center's engagement and fundraising efforts, which is the largest center of its kind in the world. Before joining the center's team, Kaylin served in a variety of leadership roles at the University of Southern California. Most notably, he led the largest global fundraising campaign for the Herman Ostro School of Dentistry. The record-breaking drives were part of a pioneering $6 billion, that's with a B, campaign for the University of Southern California from 2010 to 2018. If that wasn't enough, outside of his professional obligations, Kalen also takes time to volunteer and has taken time to volunteer at a wide variety of organizations, including the Point Foundation and the Griffiths Observatory. Originally from Montana and the Pacific Northwest, Kalen has called Los Angeles home for more than 20 years. So, Kalen, welcome to you today. Thank you, Martin. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, and hello to everyone that's listening. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, to uh, share with all of our listeners, we've known each other now for 10, 14 years. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah 14 years. Yeah. I remember and, the day we met. That's exact. And in fact, fun fact, I think I've told you this before. You were the very first, you and I were the very first photo I ever shared on Facebook. Really? Yes. <laughs> I did not know I had that privilege. Yes. That, and it was on wow, my Blackberry. I feel honored. Things. Yes. Yes. It was on my Blackberry. But anyway. So, uh, <laughs> who has a Blackberry today? <laughs> you know, I still miss the curves keyboard, but that's another topic entirely. Um, so, listen, I, I was so excited to, to ask you to join us. And I really, again, want to thank you for your time. And, and you've had a really quite interesting career. And you've also, you know, made yourself available to the community and the communities um, in the Los Angeles area. And so I, I guess let, let's kind of take a step back, if we will. So, you know, you and I met when you were with USC, specifically the Herman Ostro School of Dentistry. And so tell us a little bit about your kind of trajectory and, and how you actually got into fundraising. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, it all started when I was just a wee lad. Uh, I'm kidding. Uh, so it was, um, it actually does actually start when I was, I was younger. Mm -hmm. My, I was really into science and math. Those were the two areas I focused on. And in high school, I had the opportunity and the privilege to go to space camps and astronomy camps. I was very much interested in becoming an astronaut and going that route. And my parents uh, thank them so much for their, their investment of time and money, sent me away to all of these different places to learn and grow. And it was my junior year of high school, way, way, way back. And I was mapping Mars at three in the morning down in Tucson, Arizona, actually. Okay. And I realized it was more of a hobby and I didn't want to do it. Okay. So I came home and told my parents, uh, they were, uh, irritated to say the least. Uh, but ended up doing kind of this whole explore, exploration of what do I want to do with my life and my career okay. and took one of those tests at the time to help kind of shape. And it said that I would be good at public relations and communication, which I had no idea what that was mm -hmm. and happened to be living in Spokane, Washington, which is a short uh, drive from Washington State University in Pullman, mm -hmm. Washington. Mm -hmm. And so my father and I went down to Pullman and met with the dean of the Edward R. College of Communication. Mm -hmm. Edward R. Murrow College of Communication. Mm -hmm. And I really fell in love with the discipline of public relations. So for an undergrad, went into communications and public relations and kind of started to go that route. Mm -hmm. 
And when I graduated, I had the opportunity to go to New York City and be a intern at uh, Rockefeller Center with NBC Studios. So I really, got I to remember play that. Yeah, got to yeah, play yeah. around a lot in in that arena. Knew I didn't want to necessarily the entertainment route, but I needed something that really built my resume. And while in New York, from a personal perspective, started to really understand a little bit more about myself. Mm-hmm. Came back after quite some time in New York or at, back to the West Coast. Landed in Los Angeles and had a, I was in a fraternity in, in my undergrad in college, mm-hmm. landed in a fraternity brother's hallway closet uh, as I was trying to find, there's so many things I could say about that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, as I was living in a closet for a while before I came out of that closet, yes. uh, I actually was searching for a place to, to work and live in Los Angeles and landed at a public relations firm called Porter Novelli, which mm-hmm. was a great, great start to my career. Lots of different hats I would wear, thrown in a lot of different arenas, getting to do a lot of different campaigns. And one of the largest uh, organizations I worked for during that time was Oral-B Laboratories. Yep. And traveled to conventions throughout throughout the country, did toothbrushing suites, launched toothbrushes. Uh, there, It's a very, if you don't know this, if your listeners don't know this, there is a, it's a highly competitive toothbrush war. Yes. Uh, and it's very, very interesting from a marketing and communications perspective yeah. and really got to, to know that arena quite well. It's been about five years uh, in that mm-hmm. uh, specifically. So when that ended, it's a very long answer to your question, but I'll get there. <laughs> so when that okay. ended, I uh, got approached by the dean at the University of Southern California's mm-hmm. dental school. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why would I want to go into academia? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a communication person, but right. he really shared with me that they needed someone in to come in and do corporate and foundation relations, which was very much a similar play on public relations that I had been doing yep. is building a concept, a, uh, a story, pitching yep. it for buy-in and engagement and really saw the synergy there that, that existed. And so yep. I jumped ship and joined the dental school at USC. And that was a great 15 year journey, which I love very much. Still good people there that I keep in touch Absolutely. with. That's, that's how I got to demonstrate yeah. at USC. Yeah. And, and that's how we met. And, and I have to say, uh, one of my first conversations with you, because I was an executive at a dental products company at the time. And uh, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget it because the tenor of the conversation was relationships are very important to us. And there were certain things that had occurred and we wanted to invite you up and, and have a meeting with the Dean. And so myself and the president and actually uh, our chairman actually came up and we had a meeting. And I remember sitting there and thinking the level of transparency and the um, I'll, I'll use the word attempt only because that's what it was at the time, the attempt to broker a relationship, which then occurred uh, it is, is like something I haven't seen then or since. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't surprise me in the least that you were uh, one of the key players in that massive fund drive with that starts with a B for billion. And um, it's one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, not because of the, the money amount, but I, I know I, I would bet that you've ha- learned a lot of things and had a lot of observations over the years about how and or why people give of their time and money because they're both valuable. And so there's no judgment here about people who give time versus versus money. And so, you know, if you think about where you are today versus even where you were when you started, what are some of the lessons that you've learned about um, 
helping people see the opportunity in giving back to an institution? That's a, it's a great question. Uh, I would say two things, uh, you use the word transparency mm -hmm. and, and thank you for that, yeah. for sharing that perspective of, of you at that table. Mm -hmm. Transparency is vital. And I think that folds into the bigger conversation of trust. Yep. And how do you build trust in any relate, whether it's a personal relationship or professional relationship, yep. it's the, it's, so much less about the business transaction, but yeah. really emphasizing what is what are some similarities. Yeah. And what I tell so many individuals that I, that I have the privilege to work with is not when fundraising is not about sales. Fundraising is about listening. Yeah. And if you're doing the if you're listening, because that's a number one skill set when it comes to a development officer in my book, yeah. is if you're listening, you'll hear. Or and listening can be visual, can be mm -hmm. hearing, can be tasting, it could be ex experiencing. If you're listening correctly, you will know exactly how to put together something that really taps into that person's passion mm -hmm. and wants them to and, and encourages them to be part of what you're trying to create. Yeah, that's absolutely. such a vital part. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, when you think about the relationships you've built over the years, I, I know you've built. Uh, quite a number of them. And so when, when you think about relationships um, and, and, true, and, and true relationships are, are mutual. Right? And so what do you think are some of the hallmarks of, of really good mutual relationships? Uh, that's a great question too. Uh, you know, I am, and I want to start by saying something about who I am as a person, because sure. I, I think that really feeds into the, the fundraising aspect. There are, uh, and everything I say is, is clearly a personal experience. So sure. everyone's going to have opinions of, of how they feel about fundraising. But I, I approach fundraising like a public relations transaction. As mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. uh, and that is creating the story, the pitch to get buy-in and engagement. And when I talk about a donor, and you alluded to this, and I think that's really vital, a donor can be an investor. A donor can be an ambassador or a donor can be a volunteer. So it's your time and your money. There are many different ways to look at, at sure. how people are, are spending or, or their engagement. Also, which I think is really valuable to a successful fundraiser and something that I hold close is a dollar to someone may be the same as a million dollars to someone else. Yeah. And making sure that you're honoring that and recognizing that builds that relationship. Yeah, yeah. Deeper. But let's talk, let's expand it to your point, even beyond just the fundraising of building relationships is that communication, that connectivity. And I have found that I am an, an introvert, mm -hmm. which may surprise a lot of people, but I, I get the definition of that truly is mm -hmm. I get my energy from being alone and really uh, recharging in a space that's very Zen to me, lots sure. of spa music and sure. candles that, that recharges me. Extroverts get their energy from other people. So I'm an introvert, but I think I can really be, in, I like to be around people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's listening and remembering and connecting. So things about you that were very personal or mm -hmm. important to you is really banking those. And like I said, listening and making sure that you're acknowledging those in the future, making those connections, keeping communication where possible. I know both of us have been very busy over the last 15 years. Yeah. Just that sense of, of recognizing and acknowledging yeah. someone 
I think yeah. is, is a great step in the right direction to building relationship. I have, I have people that, that I've built really strong relationships with me that um, were challenged with me in the beginning. For example, mm -hmm. I worked with a lot of dentists, an interesting group of people, as you yes, might Yes, we are. We are. And, and I had one uh, that was a more seasoned dentist. And mm -hmm. when I was put in to place as the chief development officer at dentistry, I was one of the youngest, um, yep. greenest chief development officers, I'll say at USC. And that challenged some of the institutional aspects of, of the university. Mm -hmm. And I had a more seasoned dentist that really let me have it and tell, told me how, how he felt and huh. about his al alma mater, his passion of dentistry at USC and how I was not going to use some, some strong words, but the, how I was going to fail in that situation. And instead of taking offense to that, I had to actively choose in that moment to lean in and say, look, give me a year to build some trust with you and keep the door open that I can come to you when I have concerns and questions and need some wisdom on how to navigate things. And that I think started to build a different dynamic between us that he recognized he could be a partner in my success instead of have to watch from the sidelines. Yeah. And we've grown to be really good friends. That's and awesome. Yeah. We have opposing viewpoints on everything, but we respect each other really a lot. And I've, I see him as, you know, a, a form of mentor yeah. and friend and someone that I really like just to bounce ideas off. That's great. No, I think that's fantastic. And you, you, you hit on so many interesting things to me, because as you know, um, you know, I've had this during the last six years of becoming a coach and really focusing on communication and, and your point about listening, you use the word acknowledgement, uh, and then even in sharing the story that you just did about your, your now friend, uh, the seasoned dentist, it, it is truly all about in any relationship, listening to the other side with open ears and, and making the other people feel heard. And so when I was listening to you, it was kind of like, okay, so what did he do? He basically didn't let his own ego get in the way. He didn't let his own filters get in the way. And he just kind of opened up and said, okay, I hear you. Those weren't the words you necessarily use, but that's what you did. I hear you. And you know, how, how can we go through this together? So I think, yeah. I think that's fantastic. And it, and it doesn't surprise me about you at all. And as you were talking about being extrovert versus introvert, I remember a number of times years ago when we were at uh, some dental meetings uh, happened to be there at the same time. And we were just like, could we just like just hang out for a little bit? Because there was just so much noise and people, you know. Um, in fact, I remember that one time we were in the bar at the Sheraton. We were just kind of hanging out. And, yeah, it was and in that Chicago, was like, yeah, it? that was the first yeah. that was the first time we ever had a meeting. Yeah. But um, so so when we talk about, you know, mutual relationships and, and hearing people and so forth, you've you know, I know you, you're recently uh, with the Los Angeles LGBT Center. We'll certainly get to that. I absolutely want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about your volunteerism um, because I think that, you know, so many people um, utilize their strengths. Some people don't realize what their strengths are and, and your strengths in public relations you, and, and, and listening to people. You've kind of turned that to, to kind of other areas of your life. And so I know you're really passionate about the Point Foundation. You've been a board member uh, I'm, I'm a member, uh, a mentor of the Point Foundation as well. And so talk a little bit about what that is and, and kind of your journey with them. Yeah, for sure. That's a, and it's a very personal topic to me. Yeah. Um, I was um, 
many people in, I identify as gay, mm -hmm. and many people in, in the LGBT community do not have the support structure that I had um, with my own personal family. Mm -hmm. They were very much about clearing out obstacles, uh, giving me the support I needed, and to this day have been nothing but loving and supportive of my own personal journey. And that extends to my, my entire family, cousins, mm -hmm. uh, aunts, uncles, grandparents. Uh, and I was really uh, privileged with that, and I, and I recognize that. So part of my own personal journey was, and I, I joke with my, my parents, my mom and dad, who are, you know, are still, still with us and, and together, that they were kind of in the closet with me and kind of pushed me out. Uh, <laughs> and so I didn't really have this big transition moment. It was yeah. one day I'm, here's me, and the next day, here's me too, mm -hmm. now, which I think is actually a really great thing and where we should get to go. There should be no yeah. coming out process. It should just be as this is who I am. Sure. It's, part of what makes up Kaylin. But I recognized I wasn't connecting with the community. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able to listen. I wasn't able to acknowledge some of the challenges and the nuances. And I had a life of privilege that I wanted to figure out how to use uh, and better understand. And so in that time, George Valencia, who is the executive director of the Point Foundation, uh, a personal friend of mine, really encouraged me to join the Point, the Point Foundation board. Mm -hmm. And it was an opportunity for me to learn, listen, and gather information about community members, um, students, uh, other board members, and their, their experiences and their journeys that helped me to better reflect on mine and, and, rec and recognize the privilege I had, but also learn what the challenges were in the community and, and be able to be compassionate, empathetic to those. And I really appreciated that journey with Point Foundation in particular, because it used a lot of my, my professional skill sets, to, or I did, to support that organization. Sure. But they taught me so much uh, as, as an individual and the, the humanistic side of me. And so that mm -hmm. was a, a vital part of, of that yeah. Foundation journey. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic. And would you would you please kind of go into what their mission is and kind of what they do? Yeah, certainly. Great question. <laughs> so the Point Foundation is the largest LGBTQ scholarship in the nation. Yep. It started with a couple donors that really saw a need to empower uh, youth that didn't have the support of their families to go on to higher education mm -hmm. and really make a difference. Sure. And through that process, they developed scholarships to have that financial component. They mm -hmm. developed mentorship connections yep. so that they had, each one of the Point Foundation scholars has a mentor through their mm -hmm. journey. Yep. And then they developed uh, conferences, leadership conferences to, to really hone in on the history of the LGBTQ movement, uh, aspects of how to be an effective leader, how to take a step, confidence in speaking. So sure. those are the three strong pillars. And it's evolved to not only focus on four-year higher education, but community colleges as well. It's continued mm -hmm. to grow. And, and the initial piece of it was, which still exists and is, you know, very, very heart-wrenching for, for children and youth that are disowned by their families mm -hmm. and don't have that support because right. they don't have an adult to sign off on things. So there, there is a component of that. But what we've seen in Point Foundation over the years is the evolution that parents who want to support their children and have that ability, maybe not the resources, mm -hmm. but you have some brilliant, brilliant people coming out of these 
of the, the Point Foundation Scholarship Network yeah. that are making a difference in all um, professional facets and in personal facets. So it's, yeah. it's been a, that hopefully that gives you a scope. Yeah, point. absolutely. I'm kind of curious, you know, when you, you know, you, you shared that you're using, you get to use your professional skill sets as, as a board member. And, uh, you know, when, when you think about utilizing those skill sets and you think about, you know, the good you've been able to do as a participating member of the board, what's, what's some of the biggest um, surprises that you've had for yourself as a board member, uh, whether it be about the community or even about something of yourself? as you've had experiences on the board? Um, that's a, that's a, a good one. I, uh, I think a lot of us are going through this right now mm-hmm. um, when it's, you know, in 2021 coming out of, we're still in a pandemic, a global yeah. pandemic. And the United States in particular, really um, better listening to itself about some of our own mm-hmm. uh, issues, mm-hmm. Both mm-hmm. culture and race. Mm-hmm. and how we're needing to address that more and more. I, as you alluded to, I grew up in Montana. Uh, I lived in Montana for uh, up until I was a, um, a, almost a teenager and then mm-hmm. in Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. And then I was in my undergrad in, in outside of Spokane. So I, mm-hmm. I, the Pacific Northwest and Montana were really, that's my home base. I think sure. it's, a, it's great people, wonderful communities, wonderful culture, but not a lot of diversity. Sure. And, you know, going to New York opened me up to a lot more. And then being here in Los Angeles for almost 25 years has really showcased, um, I think there's a global perspective uh, that I should have, that all of us Mm -hmm. should have. Yeah. And I'll also say USC afforded me the opportunities to travel the world. I've been to to so many and I recognize how, how privileged I am in that. So many different countries, so many different cultures, all the continents, including Antarctica mm-hmm. um, and penguins are a culture of their own, you know, so that it's this whole thing of, I think, sitting on the board, but also just who I'm, who have come today is I know I, what I represent mm-hmm. and I've really leaned into the privilege that I have and how I can use that privilege to get other voices heard. Mm-hmm. And I started with Point Foundation because of that LGBTQ aspect. What I think I've really grown from not only that, but from the center as well, is the diversity that exists within that alone and how much broader that is, what I'm afforded and how I can best use that to help others. Got it. And a lot of that starts with listening to understand what are those other obstacles because I, I don't have them. Right, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, we before we uh, hit record, we were kind of talking about, you know, observations that you might have made over the years, because you think about your activities with USC, you think about your volunteerism with uh, Point Foundation, you think about your volunteerism with the Griffiths Observatory, and your current work with the LGBT Center. And so th- there's no question, there's study after study after study that shows individuals that give up their time and volunteerism reap quite a number of benefits themselves. And, and I love what you said earlier, because I haven't often heard this from folk in your field relative to, you know, a, a financial donor, a time donor, a volunteer donor, they're, they're all donors. And so I'd love for you to share kind of your observations around, and I'll leave this up to you, motivations of people that like to give and or give back, 
and and you know have you observed without any judgment here because this is something else we talked about because time is a precious commodity we only have 24 hours in a day and so i do truly view as myself uh time as as significantly valuable as, as monetary because in fact in some ways it's more and yeah. so what what have you kind of observed over the years relative to those people that give of their time versus their money and and kind of the juice they get out of those experiences. Yeah. What, what no, have that, you observed? <laughs> well, I, you know, there is, um, I interact with a lot of different people sure. uh, when it comes to different organizations. And it's the, as with anything in life, it's a bell curve. Yeah. So you have the extremes, they have the massive egos that this is what they want. And that's okay. If you're yeah. hearing that and you know how to, how to stroke that, then sure. perfect. Sure. All the way to the other end of the spectrum that, people, my opinion, this would be the other end. Someone who's just, I don't want my name attached to anything. Yep. Here's everything I have, including the shirt off my back. Yeah. And so that, those are two, and they're great people on, on, on both ends of sure. the spectrum with most people in the middle. I would say that that listening component when it comes to fundraising, and I wouldn't even say it's just fundraising. It's mm -hmm. just active, activating people with whatever your message is or whatever you need support on, be the same as you and, and this uh, experiment that you've created. Yeah. Is how do you listen and get people engaged in what your uh, mission is? Sure. Personal mission, professional mission. Sure. And when it comes to folks who give time, there is a, I often feel with many of my colleagues that are in the profession, we disregard that quickly. Because mm. it's not, there's not a strong cash value that's usually attached to that in some way. Sure. You can't book it. It's not taxes. I can't spend it. Yeah. But it's such a vital part of any organization, especially a nonprofit, mm -hmm. when the Los Angeles LGBT Center has, and it's just its volunteer resources area, we engage nearly 2,000 volunteers every year. Wow. And that is almost last year alone was more than 200,000 hours. Wow. So it's masses, massive amounts of, of support that doesn't always get ticked to say this is a billion dollar, you know, campaign. Yeah. I, I know people would with the, the time they give could be so, so much more than the B that you're using. In yeah. 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 So I think it's really acknowledging, it's engaging them, it's communicating. Mm -hmm. Why is this uh, of, of support? It's also how do you want to be engaged with your time? I'll mm -hmm. say all too often, organizations lose me in a volunteer capacity when they say, oh, you're a fundraising communication marketing professional. Let's have you do this. Uh, like, that's great. I can do that. And I would love to help. But that's what I do from my nine to five. Yeah. I... Uh, what else do you need? I have a desire to be engaged from a speaking perspective, or I'd love to be a mentor or, and being able to work and communicate to under, to understand how to plug me in best sure. that, to meet my needs is how you're mm -hmm. going to activate more. Mm -hmm. Because if I feel you've acknowledged me as a, as a volunteer, 
acknowledge the, the time I'm putting in, I'm more likely to say, you know what? I have resources now. I have financial resources to give back. Yep. I have friends that I want to connect you with. Yep. I believe in your mission and I'm very connected to it. So I'm going to be an ambassador, whether you want me to or not, and talk <laughs> to many about yeah. what we do. Yeah. Uh, and so that, I think that that time piece, almost the friend raising component, yeah, it's almost more valuable in the beginning than anything else. I love that. The friend raising component. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's very important. That's why I, the teams that I, that I work with, I really emphasize to your point that donors are investors, they're volunteers and they're ambassadors because we yeah. need to keep all three of those pillars uh, understood through our process. Absolutely. You know, you, you just made my brain explode because if you look at the studies around employees, employees' relationships with their employers and the number one reason why people leave, it's never money. No. It's always the appreciation element, right? And no. so basically what I heard you say is that even for yourself in your volunteerism and your activism, you want to be listened to. Yeah. And you want to be acknowledged, not just, okay, yeah, I can do this nine to five, but there's other stuff I can do too. You're, you're, a, you're a whole being, you're a whole person. Um, going back to my interview with Dr. Tal Ben-Shahar, where we talked about happiness and what comprises it and the concept of whole being. You know, Kaylin is a whole person and there's many things that make Kaylin tick. And if you'll just, you know, to paraphrase, listen to me being Kaylin, I'm going to give you, you know, the, the world and, and everything else. And so, I think that's that's really really fascinating and, and very insightful, frankly. Thanks. And so you mentioned uh, the LGBT center, the LGBT center. I'd love to kind of pivot to that a little bit if we can. Yeah. I know this is a relatively new position for you, yet certainly in your wheelhouse. And so, um, as we were talking before, and as you mentioned, it's the largest center of its kind in the world. And so, kind of share with the audience a little bit about what the center does, what your role is, and and uh, so forth. Sure. So the Los Angeles LGBT Center has been around for nearly 53 years. It's mm -hmm. one of the oldest and largest in the world mm -hmm. relative to focusing on LGBTQ population needs. Mm -hmm. And there's four major categories that we focus on. It's uh, healthcare, uh, leadership and advocacy, cultural arts and, and um uh, stability and awareness. Mm -hmm. So some of our major programs, we just completed uh, a phase two build out of uh, one of the campuses for senior housing, for example. That's awesome. LGBTQ population that of folks that are over the age of 60 tend to have more depression, tend to be alone due to the nature of coming out in their, in their own journey. Uh, and what they live through in our history as a country. And so having a place to get together. We just had um, the, our senior prom uh, during nice. the month. And it was a bunch of old people dancing on. Awesome. And it was beautiful. That's uh, awesome. You know, things like that that are, that are fun. We do cultural arts. We have a whole, like I said, a whole health services where our pharmacy to meet needs free of charge mm -hmm. or at a very low cost. For Los Angeles, 50,000 patients or clients a month mm -hmm. is just a massive organization. And I was, uh, COVID hit, mm -hmm. and I had been at USC for 15 years, love that place, still yep. talk to those folks every day, but I was ready for a new challenge. 
and ready for something. We just completed a big campaign. Mm -hmm. um, there was, uh, I had just uh, finished my MBA. I wanted to try something different, take it to the next level. And the Los Angeles LGBT Center has had at its helm for quite some time, a great CEO named Lori Jean. And Lori uh, is inspirational. She's powerful. She is really someone that will go down the history books for making the movement what it is today. And I'm very proud of that aspect. She's retiring next July. And she and I had some conversations about this role as chief advancement officer, which is inclusive of volunteerism. So our volunteer resources, our mm -hmm. marketing and communication, our development aspect, and also our AIDS life cycle, which is a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. That's a huge bike ride from San Francisco yep. life. Great, great thing. Anyway, this is those four pillars exist under advancement. And Lori was talking to me about coming on board um, and really being part of the leadership team that's that's taking the baton and running with it after she and a few of our other senior leaders depart. Mm -hmm. And so it, I thought this is a great new challenge. We have sure. 53 years of awesomeness behind us. And what's the next 50 plus years look like for the LGBT center? And uh, just two weeks ago, the new CEO started. There's a year overlap between them. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And the senior leadership team, the, the program leadership team, and the more than 800 staff that make mm -hmm. up the center are just super cool, awesome people that have so many different perspectives and stories to tell that I feel like I can spend my entire career there just learning about the, the great people that are within the center. But to be a part of the leadership team and to set the direction for where we're going was vital to me. And to learn from Lori and team uh, before she departs was something that I thought this is a unique opportunity I can't pass yeah. on. That's amazing. That's amazing. You know, you're, you're making me think, you're making me see a pattern here. And there's, there's very much a pattern to what makes up Kayla and Olette relative to Acknowledging where you are in your own life, acknowledging the own the privilege that you've had in your life, being thankful for the privilege in your life, and then therefore being able to help others. And whether that is Thank through, you. yeah, I mean, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans, whether that's, you know, I mean, I mean, let's call it what it is, whether that's through fundraising for an institution, because where do those dollars go? They go to the students. Yeah. Whether it's volunteering, whether those dollars goes, they go to help people. Whether it's the Point Foundation as a board, you know, that that's even one might argue even more direct, but just because of the tenor of what they do. And so I'd love to ask you if 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 you were sitting here talking not to me, but to somebody who's kind of struggling and and call it what it is, struggling, whether that's coming out or struggling in life. What, how do you think, what would you say to that person? It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite questions to all of my guests. You know, that it's, uh, I'm going to give two things that seem like the complete opposite of themselves, okay. but I've, I've learned this is best for me. The coming out piece, for example, I think the only person you never need to come out to is yourself mm -hmm. and being able to reflect, appreciate, and value the person you are mm -hmm. um, is very important. Um, you're with yourself your entire life. Yep. <laughs> and 
as I've said with, with folks I brought into team, I live with a Kalen. I mm-hmm. work with a Kalen all day long. I don't need another one of me. I want to <laughs> get people who bring different value to the table. Yeah. And so, you know, that is, is being, being comfortable with oneself and how you, that journey for you is, is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's, I've had some high, high points and some low points as we all have. Sure. But knowing at the end of the day that it's okay and it's going to be, it's some days, you know, it's okay to be in that adventure and yeah. have some, have some fun. And some days are going to be like, ah, so yeah. very much internal. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is I had a mentor a long time ago, give me a perspective of just like a business creates a board of directors with different skill sets and different perspectives, find your own board of directors. I love find that. those three to five people that you want to learn from, that you want to uh, hear perspectives from, that you're open to hearing perspectives from, and whether they know it or not, put them on your own little board of directors. <laughs> And yeah. get together with them individually or on a regular basis that yeah. helps feed who you are and where you want to go. Cause that's yeah. important and be willing to listen and internalize what they're saying. Because oftentimes yeah. folks who are, who can see us know more about us than we actually think and yeah. have good perspectives for us. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. Kind Absolutely. Of those- no, as, as Jim Rohn says, uh, I believe it's Jim Rohn. You're the average of the five people that you uh, hang out with. Yeah. And so, um, you know, surrounding yourselves with people that, you know, whether they've traversed the journey you're looking for, or frankly have not and had their own journeys, of course, all of our journeys are individual. Um, you know, it's, it's a huge benefit to that, to, to gain of that uh, experience uh, from yeah. those individuals. The only thing I add, just hearing you even say that, um, and this sounds much easier than it is, but I, I think it's very helpful, mm-hmm. is we're in it, we're in a time we all know this with the connection of, of the internet, um, especially this, I think one of the great benefits that's come out of the pandemic um, is this Zoom connection. Yeah, I mean, this is just, it, I know we're all tired of Zoom, mm-hmm. but it's this idea that I can connect with anyone yeah. and be anywhere and it's less intrusive. It's mm-hmm. much it's easier. It, when you're that journey or who, who you are is connecting with people, reach out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like it when people reach out to me and say, you have no idea who I am, but I yeah. have this question for you, or do you yeah. have any advice on this? Or yeah. I'd like to give you a piece of advice. I'm like, yeah, oh, this is great. So, you know, reach out and connect with people. Um, Cause it's, it's easy. Yeah. And it's, it just takes an email and yeah. you know, that type of thing. And not, you're not going to get a response from everyone, but I, no. when I'm hearing you talk, it's, that connectivity is important. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, because we were talking earlier, it's been a number of people I've reached out for this. And, you know, some were very gracious and lovely and, and responded. And, you know, even even if I, I guess you I guess what's bringing some thoughts into my head in terms of connections with people, you know, even if the answer is no, take the two minutes to answer. Now, I'm not talking about spam stuff and all those emails we get. I don't know about you, but one of my biggest pet peeves on LinkedIn is somebody connects with you and then two seconds later, you get a private message trying to sell you something. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) For those of you listening, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. What we are talking about, though, is the human connection. It's like, hey, you know, I got your name from so-and-so, you know, would you happen to have five minutes, et cetera? I mean, for me, I think you know this. I mean, well, you know that I became disabled from dentistry, what, what you may or may not know is I spend uh, quite a number of hours every year. I get connected all the time to disabled dentists I that know. I lovingly give of my time. 
And, you know, in the last couple of weeks, it was even uh, one lady who had a brain tumor, another lady that had a stroke, a young man who I'm going to be connected with, who went to dental school and then became blind. Wow. And can't practice. And so I love that you said that because you and I, there's a reason why we're friends. Uh, we very much think alike. And it's just, you know, give to humanity when and how you can. Uh, because the truth of the matter is you, you never know where, where that's going to end you up, right? Yeah. And yeah. So, and I think real quick on that note, when I go back to that, that bell curve and there are of donors. Yeah. One of the key aspects of listening to any donor is understanding what is it that makes them tick. Everyone yeah. has it. It could yeah. be that I don't want to be acknowledged. Yeah. Okay. That's a tick. That's important. To your point right there. And I think it's okay to acknowledge this. I want to help you feel better. That's, yep. that's something that makes people tick. So if you're listening, you really understand how to engage people and be comfortable when, it, when you figure out who you are, mm -hmm. knowing that that's, I like, I like have, I, Kaylin, like knowing I'm bringing something to the table to help others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to own that. Yep. If that makes sense, is oh, absolutely. knowing what makes you tick and, and being honest with yourself about that instead of trying to say, I do this because I just, am, it's the goodness of my heart. Well, that's true. Yeah. But there's also as it makes me feel better as yeah. a person. And yeah, that's absolutely. okay to acknowledge. Absolutely. Now you may have just answered this. I always like to end with a final question and you may have just answered this. So forgive me if you have, but hit me with it. Let's see. <laughs> what, what do you, like, if you were talking to somebody else and they said, as I'm going to, uh, what's the biggest life lesson you've learned in your years on this mm. rock hurling around the sun? Uh, it sounds like such an easy question. It's not. It's not. No. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, uh, and there's so much, there's so many layers to this answer. Yeah. But it is an adventure and you should mm -hmm. be having fun. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to, that cliche thing of it's not about the destination, it's about the journey, but True. it is an adventure. Life is an adventure, no matter what you're doing, you should be having fun. So have mm -hmm. fun within reason, as yeah. long as it's safe. Uh, <laughs> but more importantly, I would say surround yourself with people that you really, that make you feel better. Again, very cliche, but very, it. very true. I love it, it. Whether it's friends, whether it's in the profession, you can choose who you work for. I mean, yeah. we, get so, we spend so much time as, as Americans, we spend so much time in office settings yep. and with people that choose who you want to work with. You shouldn't be working for someone that makes you feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and if you really like who you work with, you like who you are as a person mm -hmm. when that alarm i am definitely one of these people when the alarm goes off on monday morning i'm like ha i get to go to work <laughs> and that that's so stupid and weird but to me that's so important that's great Be like wow i get and there are definitely days where i hit the alarm like seven times of course but, but you know i just being able to wake up each day so i would say enjoy the adventure and surround yourself with people that make you feel good oh i love that i love that and and if i may paraphrase and add find a job that makes you go, yes, I get to go to work. When yes, exactly. Monday. Exactly. So. <laughs> I get to open my eyes. I have, the, I, my eyes are open today and it's going to be an awesome adventure. That's great.
What a what a, what a beautiful way to end. So thank you so very much for your time. I sincerely My pleasure. appreciate thank you. it. We're gonna put uh, some of the links that Kaylin uh, had uh, asked us to for the LGBT Center, the Point Foundation, and several others in in the comments below. And so I just want to thank everybody. And please don't hit, uh, forget to hit subscribe and click notifications so you don't miss out on any future interviews, heart to hearts, or book reviews. And remember, life speaks to you. And if you think it doesn't, you're not listening. Take care. Thanks, Kayla. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.